Hello, and welcome to A Journey Through Fantasy. On this episode, we'll be covering chapters one through nine of The Crimson Campaign, book two of the Powder Mage Trilogy by Brian McClellan. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) You like that? (laughs) My name is Patrick, and we are with Matt once again. Stoked for some Crimson Campaign. Let's go. Right, Dad. Uh, Yeah, uh, before we even really get into it, I'll just say... I like these first nine chapters. I'm, I'm not even. I'm just going to spoil it. Yeah. I liked them. I liked them. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do the uh, the shitting on like I started, like, like I did heavy on our Return to Honor um, episode. Well, this is I, uh, this is loads better than uh, Return to Honor. It is. It is. I mean, when you do something good, good things happen, and those good things are us not shitting on it. Exactly. And I, I know that, you know, Brian McClellan is doing this for, you know, our satisfaction. So good job there, buddy. We're technically fans. So you give me a, you give me, I'm giving you a thumbs up. And that I was, a, I was going to, he was going to give me a thumbs up. Okay. It was. I, well, I was just talking. But <laughs> as I texted you earlier, this went on no cap from like, from like the first paragraph. Mm. There's no cap up until like, yeah, all the way through this. It was just, it was kind of just like, kept going. It was good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it, I felt like, um, you know, we talk about those natural breaks, right? Um, that we sometimes would stumble upon in in um, Promise of Blood. Um, this one kind of had maybe a natural break around, um, let's see here, chapter five. I feel like we we you could have stopped at chapter five and that was a good little natural pause at the end of chapter five, right? Yeah. Yes. At the yeah, end. yeah. Yeah. I agree because I felt yeah. like it. It was it was more than halfway through. Yeah, and it and it it ended kind of with a cliffhanger in a way, chapter five. But um, but we'll start with chapter one. We'll get into this. Um, chapter one, we open up with Adamat, kind of very reminiscent of promise of blood you know you, you start off with adamat's perspective it seems to be nighttime uh again and he even t- says that in the text he says it reminds him of when he um when he first showed up to skyline um mm-hmm. which feels like years ago uh even for me the reader it felt that way yeah um, it felt like a long time a lot has happened yeah yeah but so three days uh, he, uh he's been surveilling uh I think it's his house. It's his, not the house that he was living in, in Adipas, but another house. It's like his country home. Yeah, where he had sent his family uh, in Promise of Blood. But he's been surveilling the house for three days. And um, he's got some soldiers with him, some Atamis soldiers, some kind of, he's kind of struck up some kind of deal, which I was wondering how that was going to play out because when we left Promise of Blood, Tamis was kind of iffy on how he felt about Adamat betraying him. Which I thought was incredibly unfair, but yeah. Yeah. Luckily, we're, we're, uh, he, he didn't do anything to him. Um, but they, you know, they, they, ambu- they break into the house, ambush him. Um, one of the people in the house that has his um, children hostage uh, is, uh, I guess, a boxer that's also in the same boxing area with Sue, Sue Smith. 
that's how I took it. Yeah, but he uh, he ain't uh, a beefcake like Mister C. No, he's like a skinny fellow. I think is what they said. Yeah, yeah, he's like a yeah. He fights on. Uh, he didn't mention what lower weight class, but that's what I'm picturing. No. The uh, and the the uh, narrator calls him Roca the Fox. Roca um, with a C. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't interesting because in the book it's with a J. Yeah, but. see, I thought I thought that was weird when I first read it, but it, it said it was Roka, Roka, Roka the fox. But we'll say Roja or Roka, whatever. Um, Roka the snake, the snake. Hey, he he saw some brown snakes later. Um, <laughs> hey. so, <laughs> um, so they kill they kill three of of, of them and. Um, he starts to question uh Ro- well before he questions roca or roja um he finds his children and they're all there except for um his wife and the son that had his finger cut off they're they're not there um right uh and um you know he finds out that you know v- vetus didn't um let them mess with them but but I think they did mess with his wife or something. I might have alluded to that. Yeah, and by mess you mean uh got mo- physical molest. Molestation. Yeah. Which quickly made me mad. But um and and not mad. So like I think that this is a problem that I have with other podcasts that I listen to and that has to do with doing what we do where we, we read and then we review what we read a lot mm-hmm. of times people are angry that the book would even go that route or do things and it's like i'm not mad that they did it i mean it's realistic but it did it did elicit an emotion is all i mean is that i got angry because of it but i'm not angry at brian mcclellan for putting it in the book i think it was it was good to put it in the book i didn't even think about it like that i i was like i don't know yeah, I mean, as I was reading it, I thought it was a little much, but I mean, it was realistic. I mean, these are four, you know, bags of crap. I mean, they were, yeah. you know, if if they're willing to keep a family hostage, I mean, they're probably willing to do a lot worse things or want yeah. to do a lot worse things. But yeah. it it did elicit a reaction out of me. But I guess that's the point. Um yeah yeah there's um there's a plot point in the will of time and um that i think adds some kind of nuance to the story and um in that podcast that i'll listen to they constantly like rag on this and like they just like they like blame robert jordan for like doing something i'm like it's a part of the story like i don't get why you hate it so much um you know, I mean, yes, I mean, I don't agree with some of the aspects of it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't add value to the story. Yeah. And and that's kind of, I wanted to make sure that that distinction was there when I said that this made me angry. <laughs> um, it did it the way it's supposed to, like I said, elicit, elicit emotions. Um, yeah. But uh, But the one thing I was going to say, I think that the part that bothered me the most was that Roja said that Faye, Adamat's wife, was willing to 
um, he alludes to the fact that she was willing to give herself, um, yeah. thinking that they would go easy on the children. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know. I don't know if he was just trying to get under Adamat's skin or what. That's how I took it. I that took it. made me mad. Yeah. I... Not in the not in the sense that you were talking about. Like this guy's a bag of crap. Like even in jest, it's like, yeah, screw you, dude. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, if we knew more about Faye, which spoiler, we we it seems like we're gonna get to know her a little bit more um, in this book. Um, I'm not saying that that would be a character trait she would do. But then again, you know, I don't know her character. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but but I did take it though. Just just normal every you know common sense told me he was trying to he was trying to get under his skin, which was a a dick bag move to do. Yeah. But like I said, these people are dick bags. Uh, but Adamat ends up interrogating him, and he does it in the most satisfying way possible. He like takes him out to an outhouse that hadn't been cleaned out like all summer long <laughs> and everybody and their mother's been using it it's got some turds that are it's got some old turds in there <laughs> and he even sells it too was he, he, he I, I don't know the exact line but he smells he goes "Ooh, yeah <laughs> he, 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 i can't remember he said something like "Ooh, that's fresh or something like that <laughs> the yeah. smell was putrid even after sundown the walls crawled with flies <laughs> I, I dug this hole myself. It's eight feet deep. Should have cut a new one years ago, and the family's been using it a lot lately. They were here all summer. And he <laughs> shined the lantern into their hole, gave an exaggerated sniff, almost full. <laughs> you know what's funny about that line? He started out with even in the darkness, it was covered with flies. Mm-hmm. Side note, and I won't I'll try not to take it too long. There's some kind of YouTube podcast channel. I can't remember what the name of the, the name of it is, but they review like ha- Halloween movies and the Scream movies and stuff. And uh, they were talking about one thing that always bugged them in the first Halloween was Michael goes back to his his uh, childhood home and he kills a dog and presumably ate it. Uh, that all that was off screen, but mm-hmm. but Loomis and the sheriff uh, Bra- Bracket they show up. After, after the dog is is laying there dead and you can hear flies buzzing and one of these guys in this podcast talks about how that always bothered him because he works in some kind of industry i don't know what he does but he said flies don't fly at night and i was like i don't know if that's right or not like i've never heard that i i, I don't see why that wouldn't matter i know bumblebees don't fly in the dark like I've seen like a jar of them. Is he, somebody saying, turned... is he saying they don't fly in the dark or they don't fly at night? He said at night. He had to have meant dark. But that's the thing, though. The scene isn't in full darkness. There's like a street light shining into the room. So like it's not a it's not a pitch black room. But he said something. I don't either. But it's funny, though, because I have that knowledge of whatever that was. And then that's like the first thing that Adamat says is that even in the dark, even at night, the flies are, are swarming. I'm like, was that guy right? Maybe. <laughs> that is. Really? I don't know. It, huh. it was a, it, it was just, I was like, 
I never thought that that kind of like anecdotal thing that I thought about uh, that was completely unrelated to this would ever pop back up here. I've got to do research on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he takes him to the outhouse and do they hang him like by his feet? Or I don't do know they, if they just shove him. his face in it? I think he shoved his, like he had his hand, kind of like reverse baptized, like he had his hand behind the back of his head and pushed him down into it. Yeah, okay. Um, you know I what's funny imagining. about that? I didn't realize this on the first read, but as I had the book open, you know, to talk through it, a page and a half before yeah. when he's uh, questioning Roja to begin with, the reason he takes him out there is because he's not answering any of his questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adamat placed the tip of his cane against his shoulder right next to the bullet wound. Your employer. Eat shit, Roja said. <laughs> Literally a page before. I didn't pick no. up on that. I didn't either. Now. I didn't either. So Roja told him to eat shit, and Adamat was, you know, said, was like, you know what? That sounds like I'll a fantastic you. idea. Bet. I'll, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> uh, but we find out that... Um, uh that you know Ro- roja and, and and his people uh are the proprietors proprietors men really and mm-hmm. that they wouldn't take a job that the that the proprietor wouldn't like recommend them for and so we kind of find out that the proprietor recommended them to beat us and so that creates kind of a weird dynamic and i think it's played to you know maybe sow some seeds of more treachery maybe Mm-hmm. But I think this is a kind of an early prediction. I th- don't think that the proprietor knew the ins and outs of what Vetus was doing. You're probably right, but that sounds like it's against everything we know about the proprietor. But yeah, I, I think yeah. you may be right on that. It's the that's my only hiccup is that usually the proprietor knows everything or that's what he's been made out to you know made to believe or maybe the proprietor and lord claremont are the same person or here's something i just thought about the eunuch is the proprietor there is no proprietor that's a fake entity and the eunuch is pretending to speak for him when he's really him i like that idea too but that I don't know what that has to do with anything. But I just it just hit me. It's like what if this is just some fake figurehead type thing? Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's so that's interesting. You know, we're sowing some of those mystery seeds that that are all Brian McClellan kind of is he's good at sowing the seeds, letting them grow. He kind of he chops them off half mass sometimes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll see how how far this one grows. Um, we move on to chapter two and we are in, uh, the way that narrator says it, but, uh, Budvale. Okay. I was going to ask you because I've been saying Budweiser. <laughs> Budweiser. And my phone, or I was typing all my notes down and my phone just kept autocorrecting it to Budweiser. I'm like, no, that's not it, chief. But it does mention, um, I want, I wanted to say this before we get into it. Um, it mentions that this is three weeks after Shoulder Ground. So three weeks has passed since the end yeah. of the last book. Yeah. And 
Yeah. And so yeah. if we're talking about Return to Honor, which was immediately, it's probably about two weeks after Vlora's charade or yeah, charade or whatever you call, escapade. That's the word I was escapade, looking for. Yeah. Shen, uh, shenanigans. Sh- yeah, shenanigans. Um yeah, so so um in in uh Budvale, in Budweiser, um Tamis Tamis and this is somebody new, I think. Uh mm-hmm. Helanska. That's how I yeah. Helanska. Um they're you know observing this huge uh Kez uh, encampment uh that's across the border. And I'm um, and so you know if we're looking at the map. <clears throat> Uh, I don't know if if the re- if the uh, listeners will have a map handy. Um, you know, you look at Bud Budvale; it's right there. It's in these. It's in the mountains that are kind of around where Adro, Kez, and uh, Day Live kind of all meet. But Budvale is down at the bottom of those mountains where Adro and Kez meet. Right. And uh, uh, it's at the gates of Wasall. Um, um, and the gates of Wausau are like this massive canyon <laughs> or, um, with two big like mountain ranges on each side. That's how I kind of, or I said cliffs, but like I had trouble envisioning it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, you know, I like, a, you know, like the land of King or uh, uh, the, the two first Gondorian Kings, weren't they the, big statues at uh Roros uh where where with the, yeah the, I think yeah, the green I mean I, the Gondor. I I I looked at it kind of like that yeah like each one of the like instead of these big statues it's just mm-hmm. mountain ranges on each side yeah yeah and it has that opening in between yeah um but uh you know they're they're talking about. It seems like Tamis is kind of itching to take the fight to Kez, even though he doesn't have the numbers. Um, yeah, they mentioned that the force is a million strong, or just about. And yeah, and he's got what ten thousand, something like that. Yeah, because later on, Daniel mentions that even if the reports of a million are exaggerated tenfold, that's still ten thousand against a hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, but now he'll, 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 what is it? Helanska. I want to say Hilsanka, but Helanska informs Helsinki. Oh, Helsinki tells Tamis, um, that, you know, he, he brings up the, the catacombs and he said, you know, the soldiers are, they're not allowed in the catacombs. But he's like, you know, we'll deal with them later. We may have found a way to get into, you know, into the into Kez, and that's how we end chapter two. Yep. Uh, I, I did want to say that, and Tamas's like thought process. He was trying. He was thinking. You know, if he can get at the Kez soldiers, they're not as disciplined. Like if he can sow panic, they will. They'll scramble. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's making him want to do this. Like he has that knowledge of the Kez army. Yeah. He. He. Um. And I don't know if he mentioned it here or in a later chapter, but he does say something about um, the goal is to spread panic and then slaughter, not the other yeah, way around. Not the other way around. 
And another thing, Bud Vale here is not as defensible as Shoulder Crown. So even though, you know, they didn't, it's a similar situation as far as numbers go, but mm -hmm. this is a lot less defensible of a position than Shoulder Crown. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they probably don't have, of course, I'm sure they, they don't have any privilege to help them like when they had Bulbador. Yeah. Um, both Cephas. Both so, yeah, they're already kind of outmanned. Um, yeah. Though big Cephas ain't there to our knowledge. But also, I don't think it, that the Kez at this point in time that we're aware of have any Predia. We're assuming that. Uh... Man, I'm it's forgetting. Is, is it Juliana? Was that her name? Julie? Julene? Ju Julene, yeah. Julene. Isn't she dead? We can make that assumption, right? But I guess it was off screen. Yeah. And all of her other privileged buddies. Maybe dun, they do have dun, them. Dun. I don't know. <laughs> um, regardless, um, I was thinking that it was just Kez and then some wardens. Like, plain Jane wardens. Um mm -hmm. But um, we move on to chapter three, and uh, Daniel is uh, recovering in a mala den, and so I can only assume, yeah, Daniel's alive. Um, but now Thomas doesn't know that. Thomas thinks he's still unconscious. Right. Uh, I think he, he mentions that in chapter two. But um, I, I'm picturing a mala den, like kind of like a um, uh, like a an Asian uh, <laughs> opium kind of den kind of thing so did you ever watch breaking bad no i haven't oh well i watched season one so i can't remember if it's season two or three but jesse pinkman starts having people over to his house for mm -hmm. like these massive parties and his house basically just come, becomes like a heroin shack oh <laughs> and that's what i pictured it as so i think the way you picturing it is probably a lot better than how i'm picturing it <laughs> Like I'm imagining like bead like you know bead curtains everywhere and like he says he's laying in a hammock this whole time. So that's true. So you're imagining something like a little finger den type thing. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, you know, with um very smoky in that smoke being the mala that he's smoking, and then also probably some like incense type stuff. Like that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the, it's run run by a girlish person who uh, yeah. he says is darker in color but not as dark as a day live yeah and uh isn't no no she's fatastrian right yeah capel uh, is fatrast well yeah she's fatrastin but she's but a, she's of a tribe yeah she's and, and, and the tribe that she's part of is a whole separate nation but right. they have man what what is she is she daily no she's not day live she's um um in a chapter, oh. they'll mention it. Uh, in chapter, because I remember them talking about it, I believe that it's in chapter six. So when we get there, we can. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, so, so I'm picturing like girlish people as kind of being uh, Indian. I was getting, I get, I get a Middle Eastern type yeah. vibe. Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah so he's recovering there and he's been smoking the hell out of some mala um Which i'm picturing is like a lot like heroin 
it's supposed to make you forget like yeah yeah because he's he, he I, I don't know i don't know if it was this chapter or later but he mentions the fact that most of the time powder mages you know we stick to the powder because the powder is a lot stronger but the mala is he's going for the mala to help him forget yep because the, the powder doesn't do that um but uh he, you know, he ends up, he's, he's selling a lot of his stuff to get more of it. I think they mentioned that he has smoked, again, this may not be in this chapter, but they mentioned that he has smoked the amount of like, in, in like four days, maybe he smoked the amount of what somebody was smoking 20 or something like that. He smoked and, a lot. Yeah, enough to kill a war horse, they said. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> So yeah, so he's 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 having a good and a bad time. Um, we we change perspectives, and uh, we go back to Tamis, and the, you know they're investigating the catacombs, and um, they realize that they can probably you know go through there and get get underneath and, and get an advantage on the kids and make a surprise on them, um, and so they plan to they're preparing to. Uh, lead two brigades through there um which is my understanding was like ten thousand people but the whole force was ten thousand so that can't be right so it must yeah it must be a lot less i think it's the seventh and the ninth brigade is what they say later on (laughs) yeah um but um that's pretty much it for chapter three chapter four um we, we, we get back to Nyla. Nyla's back. Um, and she, you know, she's kind of worried about Jakob. You're worried about the influence that um, that Vetus is having on him. Um, you know, she's trying to protect him as best she can without, you know, incurring the wrath of Vetus. And oh, um, oh Lord Penis. Oh, Metis. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he basically says, I have more work for you. And he introduces her to um, Faye, Adamat's wife. So, so I didn't pick up on that immediately. Oh, really? It took me a chapter to realize that Faye was that. It's like, I recognize that name, but I didn't put much thought into it. Yeah. But yeah, it is Adamat's wife. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, and I think George R. R. Martin talked about this. You know, in the real world, there's a lot of people that have the same names, right? Like, you know, I know several mats. I probably know more mats than I know any other person, any other name. You know more mats than you do Patrick's. I don't know any. Wait. I personally, I don't, I, I mean, well, in the past I've met some Patrick's, but I, as of right now, I, there's not one other person named Patrick in my phone. <laughs> or here we go. Here's a better example. I don't think there's another person named Patrick that I'm friends with on Facebook. <laughs> But I'm probably I have a friends coworker, with Patrick, but I'm not friends with him on Facebook. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm coworkers with like six maps. Yeah. yeah. Two I can think of three I can think of right off the top of my head. But uh, but 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 he brought that up because in in a lot of these books, you never see you never see multiple names. But but you kind of did in in he, he did that in Game of Thrones, you know. You had uh, um, you had several yeah. different Brandon Starks. 
Yeah, you had several different Brandon, Brandon starts. You had um, um, two Robs. Who's um, the second Robs? Robert Baratheon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think he named Rob after him. Yeah. Um, Duh, I'm stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember what else. Maybe, maybe he didn't do it that often. But he, I remember watching some kind of interview with him bringing that up, how, how in stories – that you have all these unique names and there'll never be any kind of duplication. Um, it makes sense but, though for store. I mean, for purposes of the story, it kind of, yeah. you don't want to reading it. It needs to kind of be like that. I feel. Yeah. You don't want to confuse people. Right. I, you could do it in a movie or a show, but not, not, not a book. I don't think. Right. Because um, the only thing we have to go off of it really is a name. We don't have tone. We don't have visual. Now, if you're if you're dedicating a lot of page time, then the character itself can differentiate itself, but still, it would take you at least a few sentences to realize which one you're talking about. Right. If there was two mats in the story, you'd have to you you won't know which one was which. Um, but but uh but yeah so uh but it is Faye. So now we know where Faye is, and presumably Joseph Joseph is there. Too. right and it's um, mentioned that uh Faye's son is in the basement okay so so joseph is yeah so he's, well, in, he's in the basement if if he's alive we don't know uh, we can uh, yeah he's in the basement basically Faye's trying to kill vetus and she's very uh hostile towards him yeah and he mentions that the basement's like a torture room vetus man scumbag he's a piece um, of crap so we move on to chapter five and we kind of have chapter five was like like we said earlier it kind of feels like a, a good stopping point it, um narratively speaking mm-hmm. uh kind of like the end of an act kind of but um adamat goes to visit ricard tumbler uh you know it's trying to help him locate vetus um without uh without you know kind of raising alarms and and more specifically he wants to know because you know he he got an address to a warehouse um but he wants to know who bought it basically thinking that he could find vetus via that way um and uh um what's funny is what i like about this so he you know he, he kind of tries to sneak his way in he doesn't want to have to go through the secretaries and all that stuff and um, he gets caught before he walks into the room where Ricard is, and this uh, the new new person that we learn uh, that we learn of uh, fail fail I think is her name. Yeah, F E L L like you fell a tree. You fell a tree. Um, she uh, she kind of catches him, and kind of tells him he needs to go back up and you know make an appointment all that kind of stuff, and then he finally tells his name, and she's like, oh. Sh- we've been looking for you <laughs> uh so they bring him in and they both ricard and and uh adamat say that they need each other's help at the same time um and so ricard needs him to help him to help adamat or wait ricard needs adamat to help him find Daniel. because they, ricard tells adamat that although tamas's people are supposed to be keeping track of him he's supposed to be keeping track of him as well yeah and he got away 
Mm-hmm. He got away. And um, so so there you got two kind of missions that are kind of happening. Um, and so then we we shift perspective and we're back with Tamas and he finds Mahali. And and this was kind of a really unique, interesting turn. Um, Mahali, you know, you, you end Promise of Blood and Mahali has like literally risen to god status in the view of the reader and the characters within the story he is now a god um but he's he's so distraught right now and it's kind of funny um because <laughs> he's he he can't figure out what to cook <laughs> for the meal tomorrow he can't think of the menu and he's like upset like distraught about it he's yeah. like like thomas comes to like ask him some questions or ask for his help about something and like he interrupts all his thoughts what should we have for dinner tomorrow night (laughs) i always know what to do but i can't have this because we did it last week what what fine upstanding chef will allow uh, a group to have uh, a meal two weeks in a row yeah yeah it it, it's it's quite humorous um and then you know tamas is very uh he's having to like calm down his temper <laughs> uh because of this and um <clears throat> but he's able to you know he kind of lays out his plan and he's able to get a promise from mahali that mahali will um help his men kind of remain unnoticed um you know until it's time to the, the surprise attack basically help them get th- through the thing yeah, and another thing that I thought was interesting about that is that Mahali said he wouldn't kill. And that's not something that we had known previously, that he was, like, pacifistic. But he didn't he kill some of the Black Street Barbers? Yeah, but he didn't. I remember him not liking the fact that he had to do that. He didn't relish in that. Like, yeah. not that he would, not that, you know, people would enjoy doing that, but, like, he took special offense to having to do that. And I think it 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 it's natural. I think because n- n- nowhere in Promise of Blood did Tanis come to Mahali for help uh, in also military true. matters. Also true. And, and so this is the first time that we're seeing that. So it, I guess naturally it makes sense that this is the time he would bring up. You know, I'm not gonna. I don't know what you think I'm gonna do, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. Um, so. It makes, I guess, that, yeah, I guess that works, narratively yeah. speaking. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about that, too, and you may have been about to say this, but he mentions that he can't feel Kresimir. Yeah, yeah. And he can, he's been able to feel Kresimir all this time, even when he, he said, even when he was Cosmos away. Yeah. You know, and he can't feel him now since Shoulder Crown. I've got a theory about that, but I want to talk about it after chapter nine. And one thing, too, um, he he does he does say that um, uh, he assures him that Kresimir is not dead and he's not with the Kes. Right, he so. says without a shadow of a doubt he's not there. Yeah, which so. if I were Tamas, I wouldn't really be at ease at that. If you can't feel him, how do you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, we switch perspectives again. And it's we're back with Adamat, and uh, he has returned back to Ricard uh, with an address to the Maladin where Daniel is at. And um, 
and Ricard tells him um, that the uh, that warehouse was sold uh, privately. Uh, I think like a year ago or so. I think is what mm-hmm. he said. Two years, um, I believe. And then, uh, but also during this exchange, Adamat says that he read something in the paper that morning, and it is that Ricard is running for the first minister of Adro. Um, which, as much as I like governmental things like that, like like political type things like that, mm-hmm. um. I like this vantage point, but I kept, and this will pop up in, in a few more chapters um, or in, a, in, you know, in the next chapter and, and a little bit later on, I just found some of it kind of boring. <laughs> it just, um, it's just not, I don't know. It doesn't match. It's, it's, I read fantasy to get out of real life. Yeah. And I get bombarded with that all the time. And I kind of don't want to think about it while I'm reading. And that's where yeah. I, that's where I stood. And I rolled my eyes and I was like, I really hope that this isn't a, like a, a plot point moving forward. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll, my theory is that he'll leave it as bare as it is now. So it, it's not going to get any less. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a big plot point in my no. opinion, but I was I mean, hoping, I'm hoping that it's not. It sounds like it's going to be kind of just a small little thing that will pop up from time to time. The fact that he's trying to become the first minister, like it'll, it, it won't have any, I don't think it'll further the plot along. I could be wrong. Um, but it will be a point that will be brought up from time to time. I think. Um, I disagree. Like, I think it will further the plot along, but I don't think the running of it, like will last the, elect- the election or I'm oh, assuming, no. I'm just gonna assume that Rickard's gonna get it. You would think uh and um, I would assume that that has a lot to play with maybe stuff moving forward. I don't know what and, specifically, but you know. Yeah. And 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 I guess that's kind of what I mean, but I don't think like the intricacies of a campaign are gonna are gonna take over the story, if that makes sense. Like, no, I, don't I don't think, think there, there's not going to be any twists and turns. It's going to be pretty much, pretty much straightforward. He wants to run. He'll run. May, and, he, and he'll, he may have some difficulties, but I don't think they're going to highlight it. It may be off screen. I think, um, I think, yeah, like we'll get it off screen. Yeah. So, um, okay. So then we go to chapter six and um, we're getting a little bit more of Daniel and dealing with what was going, what happened at, you know, at the end of the last book and the climax, um, you know, he's, he's still, um, he's in the mall of den. He's back, you know, he's, he's in the mall of den. He's ran out of money, uh, ran out of mala and ran out of money. Um, and, um, Ricard Tumblr's, uh, secretary, uh, undersecretary, uh, fail, um, finds him. And now, how she finds him is very interesting. <laughs> um, Capel decided to just save a horse and ride a cowboy. Jump on a duke. <laughs> and 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 you know, okay, so I've kind I kind of like them getting closer and maybe some kind of budding romantic thing happening in the last book. Like mm-hmm. I like that it was teased, right? But this just seems weird. <laughs> 
I um, think it's just her. I actually think it's her messing around. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think she's intentionally trying to make Tango feel uncomfortable to get him kind of out of his out of his like mopey miseryness. Yeah, I think so too. It just still, it kind of just. I didn't know how to feel about the whole. I, I agree. It's we- it feels weird. I do agree with that. But I, but yeah yeah I I do I I mean I do think that there may be some kind of romantic things that could potentially happen. I think that that'll continue to get teased. Um, but I think you are right that this in this instant, from Capel's perspective, was not necessarily a romantic thing. Um. Seems but, like a, it's about to maybe be that way. Yeah, yeah. But Phil, what's the difference between a secretary and an undersecretary? You want the PG version or the PG-13 version? <laughs> I want the X-rated. <laughs> I'm just saying Rickard is a man of wealth. <laughs> and, I- <laughs> you know, if he wants his secretaries underneath him, he's going to have his secretaries underneath him. You know what I'm saying? Good God. Uh, well, that's what fail is. Fail is an undersecretary. undersecretary. Jesus. Um, <laughs> One so, thing I wanted to say about Rickard's place, Daniel's. Oh, sorry. Skipped. My bad. We're, we're about to get there. Uh, uh, but she, she um, says that, you know, Rickard wants him, Ricky Teabags wants him to. Uh, <laughs> wants him to come back and and have lunch um and all stuff and you know he kind of resists for a while but finally you know she's like we're either going to take you by force or you can come enjoy the better mala den that he has um and so they leave but then he um mentions that uh could eat do what he could eat yeah he could eat that's what it was he could Um, have some lunch he can have some lunch. So, so then they get there, uh, and uh, so what were you gonna say about Ricky T's place? Daniel mentions as he's walking into this opulent ass warehouse. It's a warehouse on the outside, and it's like a mansion on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Had like dark marble floors and crap like that. And Daniel goes, "Well, I thought Tamas's rebellion was to remove this type of opulence from the world, but I guess it just gets redistributed in other places." Is basically <laughs> what he says. Jeez, he 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 got him. Oh, Ricky he tea bags. I mean, when you tea bag in the world, you gotta you gotta show everybody what you got. When you tea bag in the world, sometimes you get your beans dipped. <laughs> and that's what the undersecretary is for. <laughs> um, but you know, um you know over over lunch you know rickard basically tells him you know that that he is planning to and 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 again i found it boring but it does fit the narrative right tamis is out dealing with the war Charlemagne is on the run um uh uh what's his name um um prime lector is off at shoulder crown gathering data for because of Kresimir and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Wenceslav is in is in um, mourning and bedridden over the whole shenanigans with uh, uh, Brigadier um, uh, Sagittarius, and um, so 
no, nobody's left to run. So the only people that's been running the country really has been Ricky Teabags, um, uh, Andreas the Reeve, and the proprietor. Yep. And, um, you know, he's basically saying I'm I'm the only person kind of, you know, that wants to and can do it. Um, and basically, so, he says that this was Thomas's plans all along. You know, we were always going to set up like an, a, demo, a democracy elected by the people. It's just that everybody's gone and it's kind of gone to the wayside because of the war. And, and I was thinking about this, too. And it, it's it was kind of mini foreshadowing because just right before he explains how the democracy is going to work, um, you know, they had that altercation with that woman. And, um, you know, she doesn't like Daniel. Daniel doesn't really like her, it seems. Um, and she was being kind of a, a snooty, a snooty bitch. Um, it's, it's funny with what her name is. Uh, it's very similar to the Ricky Teabag in our life's wife's name. Uh, what was it? Ch- Ch- Cher- Ch- her name is Cheris. Cheris. Yeah. Oh, boy coincidental maybe coincidental. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but we find out that she is the head of a particular section of the union and he talked about how you know he is the speaker for the union but each of you know each one has their own leader basically and it kind of parallels what he's talking about about the democracy and how there'd be different districts in adro and they'd have representatives that'd be voted on and the first minister would be a figurehead and it's like it, it he it was kind of smart of Brian McClellan, of Brian McClellan, and then also smart of the character Rickard Tumbler to be like, "Hey, this is what I run, and this is how it runs. I'm going to tell you how we're going to run this new form of government, and how I'm going to run for you know whatever." The parallels are there, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, I thought that was nice. Um, but he, but he, uh, the the whole meat of the whole thing is why he brought Daniel there is because he wants Daniel to be the second minister, which is hilarious to me. Yeah, and it's basically a war hero. Everybody wants a war hero on their on yeah. their bat on their ticket. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to say to this effect. Something about this. I don't. I I can't. I can't remember right offhand. But. Um, yeah like another thing that comes up is that in the conversation is that people don't really believe Daniel no about no. Kresimir and in this conversation Daniel finds out about Mahali being Adam reborn he didn't know oh yeah so he he kind of freaks out in a way because it's like another god um he doesn't really freak out but he it kind of puts him on edge mm-hmm Oh, um, is this where they mention what um, what what Capel is? So I went back and looked, and it, I couldn't find it. Cheris, I thought Cheris said uh, you and your uh, whatever country she's from, girl, but she says savage. Oh, uh, a, a a Dinese. She's Dinese. Dinese, that's it. Yeah. So there there is a nation, I believe, that is the Dinese nation, but there's a section of Fatrasta that has Dainese people in it, kind of like the, the uh, Han Chinese in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, uh, I believe that's what they're called, the Han Chinese, I think. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So 
I had to, I had to look that up. So chapter seven. And, and, and yeah, I kind of like chapter. I, okay. So it just hit me, but I like this whole plot point that's happening that starts in chapter seven. And I like it because it's a better version of what happened in Return to Honor. Remember we I had, said I had those same thoughts as I was reading it. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. No, I'm with we, you on that. We mentioned how Adamat would have been so much more it would have been a better story because you would have got a lot more investigative stuff happening and because yeah, you because know, he's just a master investigator. Um but so we said all that because Adamat tracks down the uh, last listed owner of the warehouse. So this is the person who privately bought the warehouse that Vetus gave him the address to, saying that's where him and his master, whatever, hang out. Uh, the music playing in the background right now is like, uh, you know, mysterious type music, you know, and whereas in Return to Honor, it was just Turkey and the Straw playing the whole time. So there's no turkeys, there's no straws, you know. We're getting some thought-provoking, like ambient-sounding music right now. As yeah. he's, as he's, as we pan in on him. Yeah, and 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 well, even to more elaborate, I was kind of picturing like a, because they're in an area uh, that 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 was in that was part of the nobility, but Tamis said that part was off limits to when they were doing the riots, and they even said that the business owners kind of i was thinking about the rooftop koreans in the in the 92 riots like they set mm. up they set up uh um fencing and whatnot and protected their property and so people have moved in and of course it's middle class people it's not nobility it and used to off- be like a merchant center for rich and now they've yeah. lowered their prices and middle class like it's like a thriving like middle class shopping district but what i thought was weird and maybe i i just wasn't thinking deep enough i wasn't following the rabbit enough how are they able to provide the same quality but lower their prices like how are the shop owners surviving is what i'm confused about that's retail baby (laughs) i mean like i said if i follow if i follow the trail a bit maybe the way that stuff is getting subsidized now and maybe but it still it seemed weird to me it's like it it was too good to be true you know well, they're making they're they're craftsmen they're making this so they can kind of set their price as long as it's yeah like well, if they're selling I, to rich people they can mark it up a ton yeah but you know still though i mean i'm sure some of them were oh uh, yeah you may be right yeah because they were selling to the nobility they could do whatever but i was just thinking you know the the price of the of their of their um the material that they're buying probably hasn't gone up i mean it hasn't gone down uh if anything it may have gone up because they're in the middle of a war yeah uh, so your supply and your demand or your supply has gone has gotten lower probably um um and so my question i guess was they are craftsmen and they're doing this but the how are they covering the material cost um and i guess you could make the assumption that all they did all they did was cut into their profits but i'm sure there are some businesses that didn't didn't have that much of an overhead so one thing there are a lot more middle class people than there are rich people there you go and so if you're selling a lot more product you can you can lower your prices if the demand is higher 
Yeah. You know, you can lower it and the supply is good. Like you can lower your prices. Kind of like the idea, you know, like Walmart, right? Walmart can sell cheaper produce because they can get a lot more of it. Right. And they can, I mean, and they can manufacture their own. And to an extent, like these aren't retailers, like they're craftsmen, even though they have a material cost, you know, it's not like a retailer where they're just buying a full product. Like yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they, they have a higher, I would imagine, like we're talking about the economy of like, <laughs> of a fictional of, place, of a fictional place, but <laughs> I would imagine that they would have more price control given, yeah. that, you know, most it, of they're, they're only buying materials, whereas like retailers will buy like full things. Yeah. And yeah, because, yeah, because a lot they buy stuff and then they actually do the labor right right um and and, and you <laughs> the listeners you may be wondering why why are you going so deep into this and i and i and the reason why i am is because it's kind of the same thing when i'm watching a movie if something takes me out of the story that i think is suspect that's a negative to me um no matter how much i'm enjoying the story if something makes me question and and, it, and it's subjective to me, you know, it might, it probably didn't bother you, Matt, but it did, it did take me away. Cause I was like, wait a minute, there it's the same quality product, but they're getting less money. It took me a while to think about it. And, and, it and I agree with it. It also didn't mention that the quality is the same. I thought it did though. Oh, did it? I think so. That's, that's what, that's what cued me in. I think they made it. He made a point that, that the price had gone down, but the quality had stayed the same. This would be, I think, very early chapter chapter seven. Prices had been lowered, but not quality. And people traveled halfway across the city to wait in line for cobblers, sailors, bakers, and jewelers. You're right. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's it, it it's more about, you know, there, there's more volume coming in. You know, there's there's more a, people. It's, that's, you can do that. Like if you, if yeah. you are, if you have a lot more customers, you can lower your prices. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but regardless, you know, it, you know, I, us talking about it, it makes more sense to me, but still in the moment, I was like, oh, wait a minute. How does, how's that working out? You know what I mean? So that's the only reason why I brought it up. Um, um, but, but yeah, so, but what I, I said all that, because um, what I was picturing when this scene opened up was like uh, a French market square and like hearing like an accordion playing and like, you know, sitting out on sitting out uh, on some tables and with crepes and cigarettes and stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the scene I'm picturing. Um, and he's. You no, know, I'm for- picturing uh, the end of uh, Bat- the Dark Knight Rises. Yep. Yeah. Where yep. he he sees Alfred across the room. Yeah. 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 Very. Very. Yeah. Like you, uh, I'm picturing like looking across a cobblestone street and there's doves everywhere picking up bullshit and like people are sitting at these cafe tables yeah yeah uh but he's keeping an eye on a uh on that that warehouse the the owner of the warehouse he it's a the the last person who who privately bought that warehouse and he is a tailor um and named uh haim i think is how it was said haim yeah um hi i i so i don't know i i i it's spelled H-A-I-M-E, and yeah. I know Jamie in Spanish is pronounced Jaime, and it's the same spelling minus the H. It's a J instead. 
So it's like okay. Jamie, but Jaime. Jaime. So I, I pronounce it Jaime, but it's probably just Haim. I sometimes I, I'll have to go back and listen to what the narrator or what the what the yeah the, what the narrator says. The old catfish uh, boogie says. Yeah, I usually like I I always default to the narrator because I'm sure the author signed off on it. So. Um. So, uh, Adamant. Um, I'm trying to think. So, does Sue Smith? This Sue Smith shows up, and he doesn't even did recognize Adamant. Did we mention that Adamant was in the disguise? Uh, we didn't. <laughs> We're about to. <laughs> um. Yeah. He. He. Uh, Sue Smith doesn't recognize him because he's like in this whole getup. You know, like he's walking with a cane and a lamp. He's got gray hair and um, all manner of stuff. Right. He's looking um, like an old man. Yeah. You, you look like an old bastard. Um, Which I already thought he was, but I guess yeah. not. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, I think Adamant's like in his mid to late 40s is what I was assuming. Um, maybe early 50s, but 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 I'm leaning towards m- mid, mid 40s. Um, but, uh, you know, oh, and that was a, pl- a point that we didn't mention earlier. Sue Smith was still banged up, and oh, this was something I was confused about, and it got it 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 got explained. So both Sue Smith and Adamat they got they got toe up at the end of last book, um, and I was wondering how is Adamat beating up those people in the first chapter, um, and we find out that he had he had gotten fixed by um, I wrote her I wrote her down. Uh, a lady uh, parkour is what I called her. Yeah, yeah, Lady Parker. Uh, yeah, uh, and um, and so earlier in the book, uh, uh, Adamant tells Rickard that he needs Sue Smith. You know, we, he needs to be fixed up, and he said, "Well, I'll, I'll have Lady Parkour do it. Mm-hmm. Um, tell him, tell him to make a house call." And they're like, "Well, she doesn't do house calls." And she goes, "If she gives you any lip, to tell her." Tell her about the goat. Yeah, tell her about the incident with the goat. I'm like, man, I hope they pay that off. (laughs) I want to know what that daggum goat was. Um, (laughs) Lady parkour fucked a goat. She had a goat. (laughs) Goat fucked her. Goat fucked her, and it was he. It was it was it was Rickard Tumblers. Um, Or maybe Ricky T is the goat. (laughs) He calls himself the goat. And and they tell her that she goes, oh. Why does he keep calling himself the goat? Um, <laughs> and uh, but uh, but so, so Sue Smith has gotten healed pretty much, and um, and he t- and Adamant says, "You you go sit over here across the street. You keep an eye on me. Order breakfast, whatnot. I'm gonna go into this doohickey uh, uh, Taylor place and and uh, get to the bottom of the business." And um, he goes in there. And he just goes straight to it. He goes, hey, look, hey, I'm asking about this property that you own. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's being, Adamant mentions that it's not, he legitimately seems like he doesn't know. Yeah. And then he he kind of gets it out and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I had a client who wanted me to do this because if he had bought it, it would have kind of, it would have been all over the papers. And Adamat kind of puts two and two. He's like the only, only Kind only of big, company. Only big companies have that kind of. And it's the 
I'll, I think East India Trading Company, but it's like the girlish the Bru- trading. The Brudania girl, girl uh, Trading Company or something yeah. like that. Which Lord Claremont is the boss of. Um, and uh, so he kind of figures it out. Like, yeah, it must be either Claremont or Vetus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he he's he decides. Well, I'm, you know, he looks around and he sees a jacket that looks just like the one Vetus was wearing. Um, and it's even discolored where it had been patched up with, you know, maybe a newer thread, a slightly different color thread. Um, and, uh, you know, th- this whole kind of back and forth exchange happens. Adamant's doing a lot of like quick thinking. We get a little bit of his, how he, his investigative mind works. You know, he's, he's thinking, trying to think a couple steps ahead, trying to make sure that he's not getting tied into this and not trying to be too conspicuous about this particular jacket in the case that it is Vetus. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to give out an address, but he needs to play the part a little bit. Like, you know, hey, can you can you take my measurements and for this particular one? It's it's interesting. I enjoy it. Yeah, he does a good job of uh kind of hiding his intentions that we know yeah. uh, that we th- like we think he does. Yeah, we don't know from from the other guy's perspective. We don't know, but um but essentially he's able to get out of there and uh, he decides that he's going to keep an eye because the owner of that jacket is coming to get it in a couple of days. So he's like, I'm going to stake out this shop and we're going to, um, hopefully I'm going to catch Vetus. Um, and uh, so then we switch perspectives again and Tamis realizes that his men um or, or he, he's he's getting ready to flank the Kevs. They've made it's, it through the they made through it through the catacombs. The catacombs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden the Kevs start attacking uh, Budville. And um, and what they end up using are these like really fast wardens. So like, you know, in, the, in Promise of Blood, I kept picturing the wardens as like Frankenstein's monster. Like they're not really that fast. They're kind of clumsy. But they're really strong, really stout um, kind of people. I know you mentioned they were very. You thought they were very similar to like uh, Gears of War. I think something in uh, Gears yeah. of War. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now they are very like something. That, these are new wardens, <laughs> and they are moving with some haste. Uh, and I'm, I picture the uh, orc that uh, manages to blow up uh, the Hornburg at Helm's Deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he running faster there than the... that though. Faster than that, of course. But yeah, running the, with the torch, yeah. getting shot at a million times, and uh, uh, they end up taking Budvale uh, like really quickly. And uh, Tamis is like, "There's nothing we can do at this point at our location with what we just saw. We just need to advance." Um, and uh, well, well, before they admit to that. Uh, the catacombs an explosion happens and the catacombs are cut off mm-hmm. so they can't even they can't even go back um, and he meant he you you meant retreat right not advance yeah that's what i meant retreat yes yeah yeah and then they decide to advance because they can't retreat <laughs> and yeah they it gets taken so freaking quickly like the wardens went straight for the artillery and the artillery was what was going to keep tamas's group from being like he mentions that they won't have the artillery keeping their uh they're going to be able to focus on Tamas's group yeah and, and 
and we didn't mention that um, it was kind of rainy, and Tamis mentions that the rain can kind of mess up the gunpowder charges and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. But then a sun, the sun opens up around them, kind of around the battlefield and whatnot, and he he uh, uh, he credits that to Mahali. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, but yeah. So after the catacombs, you know, basically are not no longer an option for retreat. They uh, Tamis decides they must march to uh, Alvation, I believe is what it is, um, to evade the chaos. Uh, yeah, Salvation. They have, to go through the, they have to go to through the mountains. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of going north. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, see here the way is not shut no it is through the mountains the way is not shut uh it was made by those who were kez and the kez keep it the kez keep it chapter eight um we um we go back to adamant and he's still watching the uh the warehouse or the the tailor shop um uh, i think it's been a couple days yeah i think he mentions three two no right at two days yeah yeah and um a uh, a woman in a, in a dress swanders in and comes out <laughs> with it and uh he tails her um so, okay so adamat tails this old girl uh <laughs> she um takes it to a house and he he's you know he's he talks about the intricacies of tailing someone without being noticed and all this stuff all this hoopla um but when he's passing by this little kid's looking out and he's like could that be vetus's house could it be vetus's son no vetus won't have a son we you know whatever he's he's also looking at the house and he's like that's not like Nah, I wouldn't nah. think that Vetus, this would be Vetus's place. But he doesn't have a, a keen eye on where people should be living because he didn't think that's where the Entrust the Ralph. Fuck. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> Entrust the Ralph. The Reeve. The Reeve. The man um, aspirates once and I, uh, <laughs> muted and just completely throws the whole thing sideways. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, he, you know, he's trying to figure out if it's Vetus's house or not, and then he's stopped by a mugger, or it's a street sweeper, but he ends up, like, mugging him, and he's like, give me your money and whatnot, and he gives him some of it, and then the guy's like, that's not enough, and then hits him with the gun. with the. But before the mug, like, he realizes he's getting mugged, he has the realization as to who the child is. Yeah, yeah. Which is Jakob. Yep. So he, So he's there. He's He's found Vetus. He just don't know it yet. But also, like, how stupid is that of Vetus to allow the kid to just be sitting there at the window, like waving, like he's the he's he was a Duke's kid, like. And but I'm curious though, how many people would know that that's the Duke's kid? I guess not that many, since all like, like I'm thinking about like you know like the senators and and like House of Representative people, the Congress folk. Um, I wouldn't know what any of their kids look like, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a translatable uh, comparison, but that's what I'm going to work with. Um, I guess celebrities, right? Right. I don't know 
what slip i guess they'll, they would be the only ones to keep up with what like people in their own circle look like it and adamat would would know because adamat's seen him before adamat remembers everything mm-hmm. adamat has that knack so so that makes sense that, that's narratively makes sense i guess um we uh we go back to Daniel, and Tamas. he's back huh Tamas. uh no i'm 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 at Daniel. Because he's he's back at the Moladin after Rickard asked him. I'm looking. I'm looking ah. at the dang wrong chapter in my notes. Just keep me you. Hey Matt, you suck ass. <laughs> well, actually, no, we're with Daniel right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so Daniel, you know, he's he's back at the Moladin and he um um you know, because he, he he doesn't know if he can trust Rickard. Um, and, he, and, you know, that the whole idea for running for politics and all that crap, he, he doesn't really care about that. Um, but we get news. Oh, wait, before we get the news, oh, uh, his uh, uh, Rickard's uh, undersecretary is smoking some cherry tobacco out of a pipe. Oh, which he notes is interesting because women usually tend to smoke for trash and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. But she's smoking a pipe. So. And he looks across the room, and K-Paul's making a doll of fell. So it's like I don't trust you. <laughs> um, but I, but I mean, everything that I know that I've noticed from Fell, I like Fell so far. Like yeah. she seems like a cool character. I'm one I'm, of the, I'm with you on that one. She's probably one of my favorite um, characters so far. Nuke, well. I would say for the whole series, like she's starting to become a favorite character, and I don't know her that well, but I just I'm I'm interested in the scenes that she's in. Yeah, M- more than more than more than Flora, more than Nyla. I don't care about Nyla's story. Like, Nyla's story is getting more interesting, in my opinion, though. So it is getting more interesting, but I still don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I still I still don't know, um, but. Uh, uh, I don't know what I was saying. Oh, so uh, news arrives about what happened at Budville and the inaccurate uh, uh, news that Tan- uh, Tamis is dead. Yes. And so, so, funny story about this before we continue. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting on the couch the other night reading a book. Um, and Sam was sitting right there. And I was flipping to the page I was on, and I wasn't quite this far yet. And I never read, but as I was flipping pages, I saw one sentence, literally one sentence, and it was, Field Commander Tamas is dead. <laughs> I didn't have the context of the, I hadn't even read a chapter seven yet. Yeah, so yeah. I look at Sam and I go, listen to this bullshit. <laughs> I'm just flipping through this book and I read a one damn sentence in passing and one of the main characters dies. That's some shit. <laughs> That's some shit. <laughs> I, got, oh. I got pissed off. And so I angrily read like chapters five through five through seven. Like, and then you then you realize what was happening? Yeah. So that's funny. Uh, 
So <laughs> we switch over to old boring Faye and Nyla. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we switch over to them, and they're they're kind of they're, they're I guess they're finally having some kind of conversations, and they're they're kind of talking about their predicament with Vetus and how they they need to be patient and and you know. Well, Faye's trying to tell her to be patient, Nyla, because yeah, Nyla's got all these nice new wedding or not wedding like evening dresses and stuff, and Vetus is getting these nice tailored clothes for her, and he let her go out, uh, yeah, and do stuff, and he wants her to put on these, and she doesn't want to because putting this on, you know, leads to some type of acceptance of the situation, and Faye convinces her to be patient. Yep, yep. And, and we she, get and Nyla gets backstory to Faye, which she was wondering about in this chapter. Yep. And I think she even tinkers with the idea of just leaving Jakob. Yeah, she just says it'd be it'd just be easy to just run away. Yep, yeah. So it, I mean that yeah, I mean it, it there's, there's a lot of character development happening here. Um and uh, so we come in and and uh Avidus comes in and um I think bring some toys for for Jakob, and um, ends up wanting to. That may have been earlier. Um, I can't remember. No, it's but, at the end of the chapter that he brings some toys. Okay, but he ends up. Uh, they're they're gonna go um, to have have a lunch in with Wadey Wenceslav, and Nyla is gonna be pretend to be Vitas's niece. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's and, uh, kind of. Jakob calls him Uncle Vetus. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> and that's so, how I know it was at the end of the chapter because that happens in like the last like three sentences. And I uh, ended the chapter and put the book down. I was like, Uncle Vetus. <laughs> Uncle Vetus. <laughs> yeah. So that's so how I get, remember it was the end of the chapter because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's interesting though because, you know, of course, Jakob's an impressionable kid. So he mm-hmm. doesn't know that Vetus is a scumbag um you know so he's some dude to bring some toys i call him uncle too brought me some (laughs) shit (laughs) i call everybody uncle ain't that right uncle yeah exactly nephew uh i call him unc meatus unc meats meats. (laughs) (laughs) um so so here we go final chapter of this episode chapter nine um taniel fell and capel are um i guess they're headed uh, they, they've gotten the news about field marshal thomas and i i i'm not they're going somewhere like the courts or something no the people's I court. Thought, <laughs> to what don't they have uh doesn't steve harvey have a judge show now they're going to uh uncle steve harvey's court <laughs> Um, yeah, no. exactly. I thought I thought he was just running aimlessly through the streets. He's like, maybe he was. There's no way my dad's dead. Yeah, yeah. He's too but they, he's too stubborn a bastard to die like that. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, and we overlooked. Dang, I'm sorry. Before we find out that he's dead, um, Fail mentions that they had gotten a correspondence with him, and he had asked about Daniel, mm-hmm. and he realizes that Ricky T had kind of protected him and said you know he he's still he's not awake yet because he knew if um if he if he knew he was awake he may ask him to come to the front lines um right but but taniel's still thinking like tamis doesn't care about me whatever 
but but it seems like he genuinely did care. Uh, I think yeah, I think yeah, he he mentions that he would come home for him. Yeah, and Daniel doesn't believe that. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. So he's running around aimless aimlessly, and they are attacked by two wardens. You're right about the people's court, though. Is that where they were going? Um, he says, um, it doesn't say where they were hit. They were heading into any specific spot, but it does say like, where are we? Or Daniel says, where are we anyway? I don't recognize anything. And she fell goes, it's because you've been charging headlong through crowds this way to the people's court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to meet Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so they, they get attacked by some wardens, and then in the midst of it, two things happen in this fight. Um, yeah, and I'll, um, I'll let Matt tell you. What yeah, so like you said, wardens attack him. And on page 94, if you've got your handy-dandy book with you, Patrick is an elitist and doesn't read from the book. <laughs> um, Daniel yeah. has some fun with one of these wardens. Mm-hmm. He jerks the damn thing off, I tell you what. That's what the hey, that's what the author said, not us. Don't, Ryan McClellan, don't attack us. It says Daniel set one foot behind him to stop his backward movement and wrap his arms around the warden's middle. He jerked the warden off. End of story. End There's of story. only a few more words at the end of that sentence, but uh they were added big part in here. Bad editor. big part here is that uh Daniel's giving the old warden a reach around to beat his ass. <laughs> I've never heard of beating somebody by jerking them off he seems to kind of work here because that's when that fight kind of turns Daniel's way yeah and so that's when the revelation of these wardens are powder mages mm-hmm. so the which i believe wardens are like are kind of frankenstein monster in a way like they're people who've been brought back to life kind of yeah so they <laughs> have so they have brought back like executed powder mages back to life and turned them into wardens. And this is different because they thought that wardens weren't able to touch powder like privileged. Yeah. And so uh-huh. this is new. And the wardens at um, that took Budville were the they same must- ones. Yeah. Because Tamis mentions that they have pistols. Yeah. And they're, sh- they're shooting guns. And like he mentions that, that, that that's uncharacteristic of wardens. They've, they've developed a new type of warden. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting plot point that I think is, is interesting, is new, you know, new and neat and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Um, uh, and so, uh, but, but then Tamis, like, all of a sudden, like, unleashes some ungodly strength and, like, r- rips out one of the ward's ribs and kills him with it. Uh, and then the other one runs. And they had already kind of mentioned something earlier uh, with the amount of um, mala he's been taking that Fail says that he's, um, is it God God's? God touched. Yeah. And and then they kind of pick, it plays into this part too because. They said nobody could do that to a warden unless you're, I think they say, unless you're a god or unless you're touched by a god or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I'm curious if Daniel has has always been like this, or if the the shooting of, or killing in quotes of of Kresimir, uh gave him some kind of something. So, I guess this is where I'll talk about it. I think Daniel's Kresimir. Oh, really? He's been re like the the, the his soul has been transferred in. Mm-hmm. Because but- because they mentioned in a previous chapter that the <coughs> when Mahali says that he can't feel Kresimir, um, Tamas mentions, yeah, but everybody felt him die. Yeah. And he said, no, everybody felt his vengeance on Taniel when he mm-hmm. shot him. It wasn't worded exactly like that, but his reaction to being shot. That's what everybody felt. He didn't die. Yeah. He can't kill a god. So I'm trying to think, is that maybe why Mahali can't feel his presence because he's been in the Maladin all drugged up? I think so. So he's not hmm. he's not like yeah, he's like shadowed. And that that's interesting because I think that was something that I brought up <laughs> before the end of the climax of Promise of Blood. I thought that maybe Kez uh Kresmer was already here reincarnated to someone like uh Adam, like Adam and Mahali. Um but yeah, you you may be right. That that's something we're gonna have to keep keep an eye out for. Um, this is my that's my hot take. Hot takes. It's hot probably take. wrong, but I'm I'm staying I'm saying it right now. Daniel's Kres. It's Dadgum Kresianiel. And he's gonna come take it to the Kes. Kres on the Kes. Yeah, boy. Um, but then Daniel, you know, thinking that his father's dead, is like I'm I'm heading south and I'm gonna fight the Kes. He's, he's like a one-man marching machine. He's Zach um, Bryan in it, heading south. Rodad. Um, I thought that was funny. I don't know. <laughs> Same from the other room. It wasn't. Huh? The Sam from the other room. It wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't catch the reference. It is Zach Bryan's. He's kind of a relatively new country singer, and he's called. He's got a song called. It's either going south or heading south. <laughs> it's a pretty good song. I recommend oh. it. I, uh, anything after 2004 ain't country to me. Pop is glorified southern pop music. It's heading south. Yeah, and you didn't come <laughs> to Birmingham to listen to old Garth Brooks. Oh, Garth. You mean, old, uh, oh, man, what was his name? What was his, his alter ego rock star name? Oh, does he have one? Is this a thing? Yeah, he 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 went out and uh, um, he went out and um, started making rock music. I can't remember what it was called, what his name was. Um, hang on, brother. It's it's hilarious. I was muted because I was. <laughs> oh, Chris Gaines. That's his rock name. Yeah, look at this. Look at this. Take a peek at this, boy. <laughs> Let's see here. No shit. 
<laughs> is that actually him? That's him. What a stupid fucking bastard. <laughs> Chris Gaines. Because tonight will be the night that I will fall for you. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so then we switch over to Daniel's point of, uh, Tamis's point of view and the seventh and the ninth are continuing to march They're um, um, uh, Olam kind of informs him that, um, they're running out of food. Uh, the troops don't have food. Um, and, uh, the Kez army's chasing them and, um, they're, they're kind of, <laughs> they're trying to, uh, What's going on? Uh, they're trying to make it to what's that place called? That's why I kept pulling it up. Salvation. No, uh, well, no, they talk about the Hundora Forest, and there's oh, like yeah. Hundora City, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but then they also talk about how they think that they can um, lose them by getting to the first bridge at Kresimir's Fingers, which is a great name. The fingers of Kresimir. <laughs> uh, which you know, on the map it looks really cool. Um so um but yeah, that's that's where we end it. Uh that's where we end this this section of chapters. Um you know, I, I'm I'm pretty positive about about this book. Uh as much as I enjoyed the mystery that started out the first book a lot, you know, of course it didn't last that long. Um uh this one doesn't have that but overall i like the story of course because i'm already invested in the characters and and all that stuff but um i don't i like it i like it what do you think i'm having a good time with it and i mean it's just been a constant stream of like action so far like there hasn't been like a lull or anything so like every single every single like perspective has a really good moving part to it yeah and yeah. uh i don't know like it it's lower than the shoulder crown scenes but you would expect it to be like it's taking yeah it's it's doing a good job of like uh it's it's already crescendoed from the previous book but not from shoulder crown like you had your climax and like I'm talking about the you know the progression of the story, like you know you start you know with a lot of character development it starts low, and then it gradually makes it up to the climax. But I'm talking about the fall here, you know, is not as low as is where it started. Is where it started, like yeah, and it, it feels like it's rising pretty pretty steadily. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, uh, yeah, every every plot point is very engaging. Like I said, I'm. I'm, and this is probably carryover from the last book. I'm just not that interested in Nyla. Um, I just, when I get to her chapters, I'm I'm kind of like, come on, come on, come on. I, I want to get to Adamat or I want to get to Tanyal or I want to get to uh, Thomas or hell, I would even take Laura at this point, which we do get a little bit of Laura. And uh, I, I failed to mention that. That was before, I think it was before. The that was whole, right before Budville Falls. Yeah. So we have a little bit of stuff with her. Um, and I think Ola mentioned something like, "Do you still want to punch her or something?" Um, so I and thought, Pan- I, and Thomas says, "I'm really just sad. She could have yeah. been my daughter-in-law by now." 
I feel I feel bad for for really all parties involved. Like yeah. it's a, I don't hate any like you know like there's no side that's right in this situation. I mean, granted, one person did do a wrong, but but regardless, I still feel bad about every uh, you know. I, I wish some kind of men's you know amends could be happened, but um, mm-hmm. but no um yeah I I, I aside from not I, and. In the knowledge chapters aren't bad. I don't want to say that they're just lesser to me than the rest. So, That's how I felt um, about the Taniel chapters, honestly. Nyla really? chapters have been better for me so far than mm. the Taniel chapters. They remind the, me of. So I don't know if you read Song of Ice and Fire, but the show doesn't give it to you near as much as the books do. Um, the phase before. Um. Tyrion meets Daenerys like he's you know over in Essos and it doesn't show in the books or it doesn't show in the show but he gets sold into slavery a lot longer and he's like in a traveling like dwarf show with another dwarf lady oh but he keeps saying to himself that he deserves all this because he killed his father he's a piece of shit and it's basically chapters upon chapters upon chapters of like self pity. Mm-hmm. It's like poor me. I'm such a piece of crap. I deserve all this. Blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm getting from Daniel right now. Oh, uh, I see. I see. And I mean, I get it. He killed a god, and like, there's parts of that. But like, it just he feels whiny right now, and I'm sure that's about to change. But yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> with the way, with the way his his part of chapter nine ended yeah it's going to change yeah. um yeah i mean the the only issue i have with him is um a lot of his chapters felt i feel i feel like you could have got a lot of what he did in, in one chapter they spread the the maladin a little too much yeah so, but um it flowed but, with the story well though i'm okay with it yeah yeah um now if this were like return to honor where it was the only thing that was going on i'd have a problem with it but it's not you know there's a lot more moving parts yeah really the um for me like if you were gonna if you're gonna look at it from a return to honor standpoint adamant story and tamas's are the two that are really pushing the story along mm-hmm. um for me uh, but now adamant and um and nyla's are probably about to intertwine so yeah, it seems um, that way. More than likely. So and Daniel um, and Tamas's might be soon as well. Yeah, yeah. So but now that's the interesting thing though. So he says he's he's heading south, but I don't think Tamas is not there there unless I'm reading this map wrong, Tamas is like he's in the mountains right now. Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So he's really he's heading he's really he's heading southwest is where was where taniel's going yeah 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 yeah. so um but no yeah i like it uh, I'm, I'm excited to to get going so uh on that note unless you got anything else you'd like to add no i'm good come back next week and we'll be covering chapters 10 through 20 i'm excited for it man me too me too Opposite. i'm uh, I'm glad to be excited about it because it took me a minute to open it up after reading Return to Honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm happy. I'm 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 happy with where we're at, and um, um, I hope I hope this stays. So, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. We will, um, catch you next time. Y'all have a good one.